Hey guys, this is the C3 Church Malmo podcast. I am believing God will speak to you today and that a greater level of faith will be unlocked in your life. For more information about C3 Church, go to c3malmo.se. God bless. Good morning. Yep, it's on. We'll get to the back. Yeah. Wow. It's a big auditorium. Great. So here we are, first service of the year. I'm almost as excited as Matthew. I think the day that Matthew gets up and says he's not excited, we, we should just stop doing church, right? <laughs> We're done for it. <laughs> so um, we start a new year. Yeah, that's, I know it was a, like eight days ago or something, so maybe it's like old news, but um, it's this time of year we can't help take stock of where we're at, of course, and where we want to be. Now, I know, I mean, I do these kind of messages every year, <laughs> so it might be cliche, but with all the avalanche of messages uh, from brands and influencers, it hard, it's really hard to resist the temptation to indulge in new, some New Year's resolutions, right? Has anyone done any New Year's resolutions this year? Or you you all grown too old for that now? No, no one, no one, no one. Oh, Kitty did. Well, I, I actually set my own New Year's resolution. Maybe I can turn the mic off on the monitor. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so I set my New Year's resolution. This year, I decided I want to read more. So what I've done is I've turned the subtitles on, on Netflix, Disney+, all of the shows I watch. So I'm currently going through The Crown, reading The Crown, and I just finished reading Andor. Uh, it's... And it's, it's working great for me. So I just just recommendation for those of you that are really keen to le- read more books this year. Uh, turn the subtitles on. That was a joke. No one laughed. Wow. It was really good when I said it in my office. Wow. Tough crowd. All right. I'll keep it serious from here on out. Jeez. Well, I think one thing is universal, and that is that we all need and hopefully want to change in areas of our lives. Maybe you want to improve your humor. Um, uh, we, so we are all far from perfect, okay? <laughs> and I, for one, I firmly believe in the exercise of setting goals and developing healthy habits and walking, uh, working towards those goals. I, re- I really do believe in that. So as a leadership team, we got together, and we thought we, wanted, we want to be challenged as we begin this new year as followers of Jesus, and pastors of Matthew, they, uh, Matthew and Christelle, they really firmly felt that if we're going to, as we say, wholly experience life in Christ, we need to wholly surrender our lives to him. So inspired by the words of Jesus that Matthew read earlier, I'm just going to read it again. Matthew 16, 24, 25 says this, says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. So whoever wants to be a follower of Jesus must wholly surrender their life in order to wholly experience life. So in other words, the key to inhabiting the resurrection life that the Bible talks about of Jesus here and now is in our surrendering. That's what this series is about. So these next few Sundays, we will be exploring the ways in which Jesus is inviting us to go all in with
with him. Uh, I'm, I'm going to just turn this speaker off. Is that all right? Just pretend I'm not doing this right now. Ah, oh, that's so nice. <laughs> that buzzing was driving me crazy. Okay, so the term all in is said to originate from the floors of the stock exchange and the betting tables to signify that one was exhausted of resources. So, like, you're all in, you've given everything you got. But has in our modern age, it's been repurposed to mean a full commitment towards anything. And it is interesting to note that in the preceding verse from the one that I just read, Jesus was predicting his death and suffering. And Peter was not on board with this plan, to which Jesus famously rebuked him. We can read in Matthew 16, 23, he says, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. So the preceding verse to that is a direct response to man's attempt to accept God on their terms. But Jesus says there is only one way to accept God, and that is on the Father's terms. You are either all in on his plans, or you're working against them. It's a warning against that compartmentalized faith that we so often fall into, picking and choosing where we let God in on our year, our day, our lives. But don't be fooled, because we cannot expect to wholly experience life if we are not wholly surrendering our life. So this morning, I'm starting this series off with the act of surrendering our attention. To give your attention is to give preference to something or someone. And that is basically what prayer is. Prayer is spending time in communion with God. Sometimes that's in conversation, other times just being with him for the sake of enjoying his company. The leader of 24-7 prayer, Pete Greig, says that prayer begins with presence, with simply showing up. And another voice from that movement, Tyler Statton, puts it this way, prayer is about presence before it's about anything else. Prayer doesn't begin with outcomes. Prayer is the free choice to be with the Father, to prefer his company. Quick disclaimer before I continue this message. Some of you, you may have heard me pray uh, pray from stage or even in connect group. Maybe I've even prayed for some of you at the front of the church at some point. But I must confess this morning, I'm not very good at praying. I don't pray nearly enough. And in fact, I think I need to hear this message probably more than some of you in this room. But that's okay. Because it is, if it is God that we are gathered here this morning to hear from, and we believe the scripture that says his grace is sufficient for us in our weakness, for his power is made perfect in our weakness, then it is my confession of weakness, and perhaps yours too, in the area of prayer this morning. It is that confession that I want to start from. You might judge the message on the messenger, of course, but I won't pretend that I have an authority built on expertise on this area or even necessarily experience, but the knowledge of Jesus revealed in his word and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So with that in mind, let's pray. Amen. 
Lord, I thank you as we start off this year that you are inviting us to experience more of the riches of your presence, Lord. I thank you that your door is always open, Lord God. Help us to see this morning, Lord, just the opportunity that lies before us to do life with you, Lord God, that exciting adventure that you want to go on with us this morning, Lord. Speak to us this morning. Inspire us, Lord God, because we don't want to miss out on that whole experience of your resurrection life, Lord. Show us, Lord, the keys this morning to doing life with you, because that's what we truly want to do, Lord. We thank you that you speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So I don't think any of us need a message on why we should pray. Hopefully, we're all convinced that prayer is generally a good thing. I mean, who doesn't pray, right? I mean, no matter what denomination, faith, or lack of faith that you are from, we all have moments when all we can do is pray. You know, just this week, an American football player uh, had to be resuscitated on the, play, the field of play. He actually died right in front of his teammates. And um, he, he spent a whole week in intensive care. Now, thankfully, he's making a full recovery. But basically, for that whole week, everyone that witnessed that, the whole sporting world largely in America, we couldn't help but just pray for this guy. We were just so moved. Everybody was like, please pray for this guy. Football teams and politicians and celebrities and everyone you could think about was, let's pray for this guy. Let's hold him up in our prayers. It didn't matter what creed you came from. People knew they needed to do something. They needed to take this to some kind of higher power. And you'll see that phenomenon happening over and over again in our society. And the truth is, as Pastor Phil Pringle says, that we're actually built for prayer. As human beings, we're built to pray. You know, in 2020, when the pandemic hit, Google saw a huge spike in people searching for prayer, searching for the term prayer. And while many had their religious rituals interrupted, they couldn't go to church, they couldn't go to maybe a prayer meeting, others were turning to this higher power. Something in them wanted to take the weight of anxiety that they felt on them to something bigger than themselves. It's because we are made for communion with God, with our creator. Now, sadly, we as Christians, we don't often value prayer more than the agnostics. We go to prayer in need only. At best, it's valued as a tool to get things done. But prayer isn't simply how we get things done. It's so much more. It's how we are designed to live. Prayer is your spirit breathing. Can't live without breathing. It activates your spiritual nature. It's an essential. Now, church is to be a house of prayer. The communion of the saints like we're doing this morning, gathering in the house. But we are sustained ultimately as individuals by our prayer. And everything we do should emanate from that well of communion with God. That's why we're starting with prayer as the theme for this first Sunday. The early 20th century Scottish Baptist Oswald Chambers famously said, prayer does not fit us for greater works. Prayer is the greater work. With so many situations in our world requiring supernatural power of God's transformation to see a change, we as Christians need to begin by closing our eyes before we use our hands. You can see that in the life of Jesus over and over again. Why was David described by God as a man after his own heart? Was it because he won all the battles? 
because of the huge kingdom he built, all the success he had. No, it was because David gave God his attention. God was the object of his affection. And because of that, he was blessed above all others. He was a man after God's own heart. Now, I've been reading a lot about the types of prayers that Jesus did. Now, I was going to do a whole study on that. But, I mean, I, I think you know Jesus prayed in the morning. Jesus prayed at night. Jesus prayed before he was going to go into a challenge, when he was being tempted. Jesus prayed constantly. And, of course, he was from the Jewish faith, so they would have prayed regularly anyway, as was their custom, as it says in the Bible. But one of the interesting things that I found is that Jesus prayed when he was super busy. And that's not something that comes natural to us. It's not our natural, oh, I'm super busy. I must go and pray now. And it kind of reminded me, so I, I read Bamsi comics. Anyone read Bamsi comics? Like, my kid loves it. We've got hundreds of them. And basically, if you've read about five of them, you've read all of them. It's the same story, just repeating with different characters and settings. But one of the characters in that I love it is like kind of this old pedantic character, uh, Skullman, Shellman. It's like a turtle. And he, he always says like, the, the ugliest word is hurry. He, he said, like, Aldrich say huinda. Like, he hates it. He, he, he hates hurry. He, he takes everything nice and slow, just like a turtle does. And the most annoying thing about Skullman is that whenever something's about to go down, he's got this clock that tells him that he has to take rest. And it's, it's called, um, yeah, Mart or Sov Klokken. It's like a food and sleep clock. So it's like, nope, sorry. I know we're in a really bad situation, but I've got to have my sleep. And it's kind of like Jesus. It's like, oh, Jesus, oh, this is crazy. We've got to pray for these people. Oh, everything's going crazy. Oh, wait a minute. And you just, what is he doing? He's just going. It's so frustrating. So I can imagine the disciples were so frustrated about this, about Jesus. When we need him the most, he goes to his father. And that is a lesson there for us. When we feel like we are the most busy, that's a sign. Oh, i got to go to the Father. i got to check in with him because I can't do this in my own strength. Lesson there from Skullman. Remember that one. <laughs> so none of the great people in the Bible live without prayer. Noah, Abraham, Esther, Jacob, Samuel, David, yeah, John Baptist, Jesus, Paul, you can go on and on. All of these heroes were soaked in prayer and the word of God. There is no other way to live in power. There is no light, no life, no fellowship, no guidance, no strength until we pray. The less we pray, the weaker we are. Pastor Phil Pringle says, more can be accomplished by the untalented in one minute of praying than in the lifetime of the super talented, prayerless person disconnected from God. In, in the scheme of, of eternity, I believe that is true absolutely true it's interesting that the disciples did not ask Jesus to to help them teach them to preach to be great leaders to be managers to be administrators to facilitate to help them come up with strategic vision none of this stuff although I'm sure he could have given good advice they recognized that the secret to Jesus life and his success was prayer they asked him can you teach us how to pray now, the disciples would have almost certainly prayed several times a day, as was custom for all, Jewish, uh, all of those in the Jewish faith at that time. But there was something about how Jesus prayed that was seemingly revolutionary. And they knew that this was the secret. Now, we've all read the, 
the Lord's Prayer countless times. And I know those of us that attended the, the prayer room last year, we discovered new riches in that passage. There's so much to dig there. It's pure gold. But to help spark the freshness that the disciples would have experienced upon hearing it for the first time, I'm going to read. I'm going to take a leaf out of my wife's book now. I'm going to read from the message translation, something I don't often do, um, which the, the advice uh, of Jesus is titled here, Pray with Simplicity. Okay, Matthew 6, 5 to 15. It'll be on the screen if you want to follow along. It says, and when you come before God, don't turn into that theatrical production either. All these people making a regular show out their prayers, hoping for 15 minutes of fame. Do you think God sits in a box seat? Here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God and you will begin to sense his grace. The world is full of so-called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. They're full of formulas and programs and advice, peddling techniques for getting what you want from God. Don't fall for that nonsense. This is your father you are dealing with, and he knows better than, than you what you need. With a God like this loving you, you can pray very simply like this. Our Father in heaven, reveal who you are. Set the world right. Do what's best. As above, so below. Keep us alive with free square meals. Keep us forgiven with you and forgiving others. Keep us safe from ourselves and the devil. You're in charge. You can do anything you want. You're a blazing beauty. Yes, yes, yes. In prayer, there is a connection between what God does and what you do. You can't get forgiveness from God, for instance, without also forgiving others. If you refuse to do your part, you cut yourself off from God's part. There is, no, there is a connection between what God does and what you do. I made sure we read that last part because it points to the tone of the whole passage, I think. Notice how the, the Lord's Prayer, unlike the prayer ignorance, as he calls it, is focused on God, not us. But it involves us. It's not us twisting God's arm, praying him into submission, it's us embracing what he is doing by doing our part. If you have never read that passage from the message, you may be struck by the different tone, but it's very intentional on the part of its translator, Eugene Peterson. One of the problems with translations is, that, and I know a lot of you have experienced this, not coming from this country, if you take an article that is in Swedish and you run it through Google Translate, you'll find that often it's, it's readable, but there's, there's just something strange about it, right? There's, it just doesn't ring right. How the sentences are maybe constructed, and sometimes the tone feels a little bit off. You're like, is that really how they wanted it to sound? And you can't help but feel something was lost in translation. Anyone experience that? I think pretty much everyone, right? Now, this may be a shocker for some, but the New Testament wasn't written in English. It was originally written in ancient Greek. 
And yes, some things are lost in translation, even in the case of the Bible. Try as we might, there are just certain things that are in the Bible that can't be adequately translated. One of those things is, is what they call in grammar, voices. So apparently verbs have voices. I didn't know that. Uh, they tell you if the subject is doing the action, it's an active voice. Or if it's being acted upon, it's a passive voice. The problem with Greek, when trying to translate it, as maybe if we had our Greek friends, Yvonne, maybe even her father would definitely know, is that in the Greek, there's a, a voice called the middle voice. And this no, has no parallel to modern languages. The middle voice is that use of the verb which describes the subject as participating in the results of the action. So active, it could be something like Shetel saying, I counsel you, Justin. <laughs> Passive could be, Shetel counsels me. Middle would be, I take counsel from Shetel. See the little difference there? Eugene Peterson suggests that Jesus often uses this middle voice when he prayed. In prayer, we don't control the action. It's not a pagan concept of prayer. It's not like this kind of incantation ritual to the Nordic gods. Like, if I just do this, he's going to do what I want. But neither am I controlled by the action. It's not like this maybe Hindu concept of prayer where I'm just like passively slumping into this impersonal fate of God. I'm just go with the wind. It's not like that either. Through Jesus, we enter into an, an action. What is that action? The resurrection begun by another, and we find ourselves participating in the results of that action, new life. I don't do it, nor have it done to me. I choose to participate in and enjoy his purposes. You getting it? A little bit of a high level, maybe. <laughs> so, but I'll, I'll help you out here. <laughs> so, this is one of the mysteries of the kingdom. Prayer and faith feature participation between God and the human. His will and our will. We don't manipulate God, active voice, nor are we manipulated by God, passive voice. We are involved in and we benefit from his works, but ultimately we don't control or define it. That's the middle voice. Prayer takes place in this middle voice. Have you ever seen a kid um, show off the Lego they got for Christmas? probably experienced that recently, right? So they're acting like they sculpted Michelangelo's David, right? They're just so like, what? Have you seen this? Right? And reality is that the parents, they bought it. The leg, Lego as the company designed it. If it was in our house, mum even built it. <laughs> Yet the kid gets the pleasure of playing with it, of being proud of it, and showing it off to all his friends, right? It's not too different to how things work in the kingdom of God. I didn't really build this church. I didn't really pay for it. I got the pleasure of being a part of it. And I definitely get to enjoy it. What I am showing my kid, when I'm showing my kid, like, you know, how and what to build, and I'm building Lego with him, I have a vision from an instruction book. And I correct him, I oh, know you don't do that, and that's not the right piece. But I'm, I'm not trying to, like, strangle his creativities. I'm trying to guide him. Right? 
I want him to be a part of building something that will bring him joy, that he's going to be happy about, right? So God, in the same way, he doesn't want to kill our will. He wants to mature it. He, he, he wants to, us to work our wills, to work within his will. Just like Lego, there are constraints to your creativity. But there is still a creative mandate. And so it is in the kingdom of God. God always responds to our prayer, to our request petitions. But sometimes the answer is not yet. And sometimes the answer is no. And we have to trust his sovereign will that he wants what's best for us. The relationship between our wills and God's will in prayer is at the forefront of my thinking now. As I think about this series and the prayer and fasting week we have coming up, we think about Jesus praying, not my will, but yours be done. We don't always appreciate how our free will and God's sovereignty sit together. But maybe that is because there is no English for the middle voice. We think it either has to be all on us or it's totally out of our control. But clearly, there is another way. If you look at how Jesus prayed, it points to that. At our best, we can pray from the center both between active and passive, sometimes drawing from one side and other times drawing from the other side. There is a time and place to be more front-footed in prayer, praying for action, you know, take, speaking in faith. And there's other times where we, we need to be still before, the God, before God and be in a, maybe a place of contemplation and stillness. But in our passion and in our honesty, We should always, as David so well demonstrated to us, return to the fact that we participate in the fruit of his sovereignty. Here's the key, and I don't think I could have said it better, so I've got a quote here from Eugene Peterson, his book, The Contemplative Pastor. He says, the assumption of spirituality is that always God is doing something before I know it. So the task is not to get God to do something I think needs to be done, but to become aware of what God is doing so that I can respond to it and participate and take delight in it. I'm going to ask the band to come up now as we prepare the communion table. We're going to be taking up communion today. See, God says to us, see, I'm doing a new thing. Do you see it? You know, back in the, the final service of 2022, all that time ago, I was talking about how God wants to make all things new. That's a scripture that comes out of Isaiah 46. And you hear it again in the book of Revelation. This is the work that Jesus completed, that he was making all things new. And we're experiencing just a glimpses of that new life and in anticipation of what is to come. But you know, God, the truth is God is always doing something new. The question is, do we see it? Do we perceive it when translation says? You know, one of the keys and one of the, the beautiful things about prayer, coming before God in stillness, 
and allowing Him to speak to us is that He's always up to something. Just a lot of time, we don't see it. You know, one of my favorite things about being a disciple is when God is speaking to me and then I'm around like a brother or sister in Christ and we're praying together or speaking and it just connects with what God has been saying to me. And that's, that's just the reality. If, if we are, have our ears inclined to God, He is speaking to us. He wants to show us. He has such a great vision for this year, for our lives. But are we listening? Do we perceive the new things that He wants to do in our lives? What is God doing in your life, in your world? Truth is, He is always up to something. He always has a new song that He wants to put on your heart. He always has a new area where He wants to see you grow, where He wants to see you experience freedom. It's a journey, and the journey is always advancing with God. In prayer, we don't need to dictate, nor do we need to be a bystander, but rather joining with God in what He is already doing so that we can participate in His purposes to make all things new. I want to see all things made new my family, my life, in this church, in this city, in this region. For that to happen, I need to surrender my agenda. I need to surrender my goals. And this year, I actually didn't write any goals. Not because I don't have goals. I have goals. I can tell you what they are. But I said, Lord, I just want to experience the riches of your presence this year. Because I know that if I'm in that place where I'm close to you, where my identity is secure in you, where I know that you are the source of my strength, I can do all things in Christ Jesus. I know that. That's so core. The core is, is, is being in his presence. That identity is secure in that closeness to the Father. That's how Jesus was able to do what he did. He was totally sustained by his relationship with the Father. join with God and what he is already doing so that we can participate in his purposes here to make all things new. So if I want to inhabit that new life, I need to remain in him through communion with him. Conveniently, we are taking communion this morning as one of the clearest reminders to us, one of the clearest assurances to us that he is with us. Before we go back into worship and close off this service, I want to ask us to stand right now in the presence of God this morning. Let's just for a moment surrender our attention to Him now in prayer. Lord, I just pray for each and every one of us as we look forward into 2023 sure for many of us that might be a source of anxiety when we think about all of the things we need to do the things we need to overcome the challenges in our life the problems that might be around us Lord God but I thank you that just for a moment we can set that aside Lord and we can be reminded that you are with us throughout all Lord you will be with us through the valleys and on the mountain tops Lord God and that in you we have all we need Lord God let us take comfort from that this morning Lord 
Help us to discover the riches of that secret place with you. Just as Jesus was well aware of that need, Lord God, let us be aware of that need, Lord, to be close to you this year, first and foremost, above everything else that we will seek first, your kingdom. I thank you, Lord God, that you you have everything mind Lord about the small details of our life the big challenges you know all about it Lord God none of that intimidates you Lord and I thank you Father that we can share in that confidence Lord that comes that with the communion that we have with you Lord that we are one with, with, with the Father through Christ Jesus Lord we thank you for that Lord and I pray now as we come to the communion table Lord as we eat of this bread which is your body broken for us as we drink of this wine, which is your blood that was shed for the redemption of our sins, Lord God, I thank you that we can be consoled in the knowledge that we are forgiven, Lord, as we examine our hearts and we bring everything to you, the good, the bad, and the ugly, Lord. I thank you that you take care of that, Lord. I thank you that we are once again redeemed in our relationship with you, Lord God. And that more than that, Lord, we, we have full access to our Father in heaven, Lord, that we can come before you and, and bear our souls, Lord, bear our hearts, our dreams and our visions, Lord God. You listen and you guide us, Lord God. Speak to us this morning, Lord God, we pray. In Jesus' name. Okay, before we, I ask you to come forward, I'm just going to read from Matthew 26. Verses 26 to 28. It says, While they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat this, is my body. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. I love that. They sung a hymn and then they went out together. So I'm just going to ask you to do that now. We're going to come forward. If you'd like to come when you're ready and just down this aisle here, take a the, the juice which symbolizes the wine and take some bread and we go back to our seats and in your own time as we go into a time of worship just come before the Lord bring everything you have pray to the Lord and, and, and take of the bread and the wine this morning